0: going to take about 10 or 15 minutes to just kind of give you a synopsis um, of all the pages that I have handwritten. Pray for me. (laughs) Um, This is a message that I believe that the Lord just laid on my heart. And it is a, a challenge. It is a call to action as God's people to pray 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, for seven minutes and 14 seconds through the month of August, through the month of August. I believe that in this passage of scripture there are prayer points contained in verse 14 that are very, very powerful and I want us to take a few moments, I just want to look at the context of this verse and just share with you, um, because I believe it's important when we look at the scriptures, when we study the Bible, when we hear a sermon, we need to understand the scripture in its context, Amen? amen? What is the context? The context is looking at a scripture in its setting, understanding the historical background, the events of the story, to whom it is addressed, and how it was understood by those who first heard it. See, a lot of times we'll take a scripture and just apply it to us because it sounds good, but we have to understand to whom it was for the people to know. So 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a powerful, powerful scripture. Can we all say it together? Can we all just, just lift up our voice and say it together? Let's do it. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. Something I want to deal with right up front with this verse that is very important uh, before we get into... uh, the 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 meat and the bones. Well, we don't want the bones. We want to spit out the bones and eat the meat. Um, but before we get into uh, the scripture more in depth, I want to deal with something right up front in, and that's the question uh, about the context of this scripture, because we have to ask ourselves: Can we pray this verse of scripture, and can we apply it? to our day and can we pray it over our nation? Now if we look at the context, this is in the Old Testament and it is spoken to King Solomon after the dedication of the temple that he had built by the instruction of God to be a place of worship and also for there to be the place where God would dwell and reveal himself and and draw close to his people. So say a 1,000 years before Christ, so that would put us about 3,000 years removed from this uh, story and this happening. So here we have God now speaking to Solomon after the temple had been built, it was dedicated to God, they had offered sacrifices, they had had a great celebration, and even in the sacrificing Uh, of bulls and goats and and all these offerings, the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifices. It was a high point in the history of the nation of Israel. It It was a tremendous, tremendous celebration. And in this context, God speaks to Solomon and he gives him some instructions. And he, and he just kind of reaffirms the covenant that God had made with his people. And he refers back to some passages of scripture. Deuteronomy 28. I think a lot of us will remember uh, the context or, or the content when I tell you. It is the chapter uh, that God spoke through Moses about blessings and cursings. And the chapter talks about if the people of God would obey the covenant obey the commands of god they would be blessed you would be blessed coming in you'd be blessed going out you'd be blessed laying down you'd be blessed rising up but that chapter also talks about the curses that would come upon the people of god when they disobeyed god said you'd be cursed in the field you'd be cursed at home i mean everything would be chaotic because of the disobedience of god's people So in this passage of scripture, God reminds at a very critical time, wanting to just put it right out there, get it right up front and center. God says in verse, um, down to verse, let me, what is it, verse 19. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land which I have given them, and this house which I have sanctified for my name I will cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done this to this land and this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt embraced, embraced other gods and worship them and serve them. Therefore, he has brought all this calamity on them. You see, God was explaining that his judgment would come upon his people, but the purpose of God's judgment would be to bring his people back to him. I want you to understand something, that in the context, when God says, when I shut up the heavens and there's no rain, when I command locusts to devour the land or I send pestilence among my people. It's all for the purpose of causing the people of God to turn back to the Lord. So, in the context, the promise of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is spoken to Israel as the people of God. Now, understand, Israel was a theocracy. We live in a democracy. The form of government in the time of Israel was one in which God was recognized as the supreme ruling authority. And he gave his word and he gave his statutes and his laws so that the country, the nation, would follow after him and live according to what he had set up. And his laws were good. His laws were just. His laws, laws were perfect. And they were for the blessing of the people of God when they obeyed. So now, this verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14, I want you to put this on your refrigerator as a reminder or wherever there's metal, so it'll stay. But this verse has been used, it has been quoted, it has been claimed by Christians in America and in other countries around the world. And usually when it's used, the prayer is for the moral, the political, and the economic healing of that country. So the question is this morning, can we apply this verse to the United States of America? The United States doesn't have the same covenant relationship with God that ancient Israel did. You see, the covenant that God gave to Solomon at this time, or he gave through Moses, was unique and it was solely for Israel. Israel. So when Israel would give heed to 2 Chronicles 7.14 as the people of God, they would humble themselves, pray, uh, turn from their wicked ways, repent, and all of that. You know what? They did that as a nation, from the king all the way throughout the whole nation. Every man, woman, boy, and girl would turn to God. Each and every one would do it as a whole nation. So the question and what I wanna propose to you because I think it's important to be true to the scriptures to make sure that that we we understand what God is saying. So we ask, could we apply it to to the uh, the United States? Can we apply it to our time and our day? Here's my answer, no. I do not believe we can apply it to our nation as a whole. We can't apply it to America, America, nor can we apply it to Nigeria, Liberia, Ghana, Sierra Leone, the Philippines, France, Italy, or any other nation, because it was given to one nation. This word, this scripture was given to Israel. So where does that leave us today? Why am I encouraging you to pray 2 Chronicles 7.14 if it doesn't apply today? Well, let me just say this, it applies or it can apply to God's people. We cannot use this as a scripture for the United States because we are not a theocracy. We do not have God as our supreme ruler and authority in this country or any country. Only Israel had that relationship with God. But we as the church, we as the people of God, we as the ones who are called by his name, we can pray this scripture. We can claim this scripture. We can believe God for the healing of our land, of our church, of our family, of what uh, pertains to us, what relates to us. Amen? So we look in the scriptures and turn with me to the New Testament, Romans chapter 15. It's a verse of scripture that I quote, but I was thinking how... It's just important that we see it. Does anybody bring their Bible to church anymore? I know you have it on your smartphones, and that's cool, and that's hip, and all of that, but um, it is still nice to have a hard copy. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before, what was Paul talking about? He was talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. He's talking about Old Testament scriptures and he's speaking in a New Testament context to you and I, to the church. He's saying they were written for our learning that we, that you and I through the patience in comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Aren't you glad that the scriptures are given to us as a means to minister comfort, encouragement, and hope to our lives when i look at the world when i look at the news when i look at social media when i look at all that's going on it doesn't minister hope to me but when I look at the scriptures, I can, I can filter it all, I can look through the grid of God's word. And that's why it's so, that it's so important as the people of God that we have a grid that we see the world through, that we look through the scriptures, that we have a biblical worldview. that we have a biblical worldview. And when we do, we have hope, we have courage, we have strength to face this world and to make a difference for the glory of God. Turn with me, uh, just just one quick right turn. First Corinthians, chapter 10. First Corinthians, chapter 10, uh, verse, verse 10. The first nine verses, Paul is reviewing the history or, or the experiences of the people of God through the wilderness and how God guided them and how God worked in their lives and did miracles. And, and you know what he says in verse 10? He says, I'm sorry, verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples. Happened to Who? The people of Israel, the covenant, the people who are in covenant relationship with God in the Old Testament, you and I are in covenant relationship with God through the cross of Calvary. Through the blood of Jesus, we have come into covenant relationship. God has given his all to us that we could know him and have him as our heavenly Father, to know him as our God, our Lord, and our Savior. And so, Paul is saying all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, for our learning this morning, today, you and I. What happened in Israel's history? What happened in the scriptures were written for our learning. Amen? On whom the ends of the ages have come. You see, we can learn, receive instruction, gain hope in the principles of that we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. What are the truths that it contained and revealed and confirmed in the New Testament? In this verse of scripture, they're all, they're all very relevant. If my people call by my name, are we called by his name? We are Christians, amen? We are called by his name. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, can we and should we not humble ourselves? Humility is so critical throughout the whole New Testament. We hear about humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due season he might lift you up. Are we called to seek God and to pray? Most definitely. Are we called to turn from our wicked ways? That's called repentance. We need to repent. And then will God heal our land again? We cannot pray that for the United States. We could only pray it for our land. What 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 do I mean by that? Our lives and our church and everything we come in contact with. What does the New Testament say? And I gotta bring this to a close because of the time factor. But what does the New Testament say? It says, Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. Now we, we tend to think and use salt in our culture for what? Flavor. We use salt as a flavoring for food. In biblical times, salt was for the purpose of preserving food. You see, they didn't have a refrigerator or a freezer. They didn't have a side-by-side stainless steel refrigerator in their crib, their house. They only had salt that would preserve food for a few days, and it was critical that they had salt because they lacked in refrigeration. Jesus said, "You in me, we are the salt of the earth." What was he saying? He was saying that you, that we as the people of God as the church, we it is critical that we are a preserving influence in culture. You see, when we see culture going crazy, when we see culture getting more and more wicked and sinful, when we see culture going away from God, we as the people of God need to take responsibility and say, you know what, I am not the salt that I should be. And some of you are just salt and you're in the shaker. What do I mean by that? You're just staying inside and and inward focused and you are not being that kind of influence in culture that you're called to be. And what was Jesus saying? You are to preserve a decaying culture as best as we possibly can. Jesus also said you are the light of the world. And what does light do? Light exposes, light reveals. Light causes the cucarachas to scatter. Light is powerful. And what did Jesus say? No man lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. And we as the church are called to be a salt, called to be a light, to make an impact on culture. And we can't blame the world. You see, we can't blame sinners for sinning. That's what they do. That's their nature. But Christians are to have a new nature. We are not to be under the dominion of sin. We are not to be bound by sin. We ought to live overcoming lives. And so when we see the world doing what it's doing, we ought to stand up and to be a salt and to be a light. And I believe that praying 2 Chronicles 7.14, living out the truths that are embodied in them and walking out our faith in such a powerful way and really believing God will cause there to be a healing effect in our culture. You see, the whole nation, uh, the United States, will not pray this, but we as the people of God, those called by God. And I just close, I close with these thoughts. You know, I I shared last week the different views and the videos and the YouTube uh, uh, sermons and visions and dreams that are out there about what's going on with COVID and with the social upheaval, uh, racial issues, and there are so many views and so many opinions, one, one guy has a video and, and then there are dozens and dozens of others who are critiquing his video of his vision and then others have a new vision and a dream and all of that and some of it's good, some of it's not so good, but, but some say, well, this is God's judgment on America and the question or you know, the, the reality of it is when you look at our country, the, the senseless or the millions of unborn babies, 50, 60 million have been slaughtered, unborn in abortions. You think of the senseless murders and shootings and rapes and molestations, the stories you and I hear and we say, how in the world, why, how hasn't God already judged this world in, in grand fashion? It's a miracle that God hasn't wiped out this nation and, and other nations. It's amazing that his gray, that, that it just, it's his amazing grace that he hasn't destroyed the earth. So for some, it's not too harsh to think that God uh, is beginning to judge this country. And you know what the reality of it is? As a, as a human race, we deserve far more than this. I think it was Billy Graham who said that if God doesn't judge America, he's gonna have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so my my challenge to you is to pray this verse of scripture every day. Pray the truths that are contained in it, the principles that we see in the word of God. My, my, My concern is that God could be lifting his hand of protection over this nation because of our sin and our rebellion and our evil. God could be lifting his hand of protection, his hand of grace on this nation. In Romans chapter one, verse 24, 26 and 28, we see Paul describing, describing the condition of the human race and all of the evil and all of the sin and he says something three times, he said God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. And what that meant was God was taking his hand of restraint off. God was essentially saying, You don't want life, you don't want to live life with me? Then go right ahead. You could live life without me. Tony Evans said this, these verses in Romans 20, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 24, 26, and 28. He says, This is the passive wrath of God at work in history. He lets people experience the negative consequences of living independent of him. You see, God gives mankind over to the consequences of their sin and rebellion. It says in Psalm 44, the psalmist said, Lord, you've not gone out with us in battle anymore. You've, you've, you've not been a hedge of protection anymore to your people. Why? Because they, obey, they disobeyed and they worshiped idols and they worshiped everyone and everything but God. And we're living in a critical hour, it's a sobering time. And I want to close with a scripture from Romans chapter 13. Look with the Word of God, please listen. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, and drunkenness, not in licentiousness, and lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Would you stand together with me this morning? In many parts of the world, in many parts of the church, Christians are asleep. Some of you may be spiritually asleep. You may be dull. You might be indifferent. You might be desensitized. But the scriptures say now is the time to awaken. Awaken out of your sleep. Awaken out of your slumber. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means apply his word and his truths to your life. Become like Jesus in all that you say and do. And walk in the truth. Make no provision for your flesh. That means begin to deal with sin, and that's part of the verse of Scripture that says turn away from wickedness. Turn away from evil. Can we pray today? Would you bow your heads this morning? Would you commit yourself as the church? This world needs us. The United States of America, 360 million people cannot necessarily pray this prayer in context, but you and I can, and you and I need to. There's a lost and dying world that's, that's, that's needing us as the people of God. Would you humble yourself today? Would you commit to praying the scripture and to living it out in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for the challenges. Thank you for the scriptures that, that, that provoke us to change. Father God, we pray today, Lord, that the church would awaken God, we pray today, Lord, that there would be a turning to you. There would be a praying, God, of this prayer, but also a living it out in our everyday life. Father, let the Holy Spirit bring revival to the church. Breathe on the church, God. Breathe on your people, God. Challenge us today. Let us not walk away the same way we came, Father. God, we thank you, Father, and we take up the challenge as your people call by your name. Lord, we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek your face, we turn from our wicked ways, God, that you might forgive our sins and you might heal our land. Father God, we commit ourselves to you today, touch every life, minister to every heart. Lord, we receive the word of God today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen Amen and amen. God bless you. Be sure to take this magnet, put it somewhere where you could see it, and let's pray and believe God together. In Jesus' name, amen.